speaking with Pastor Eric just about how quickly we fly through Friday just so it to Sunday. Your fridges are probably be full of food right now. You probably have about five pounds of pork ready to be salted and, and devoured for Sunday. I don't know what it is about pork, right? We just got to do that on, on Easter. But I'm going to ask everyone today where we're going. And the beautiful thing about tonight is that we get a chance to together take of the elements right after I finish speaking. And we get a chance to also just grasp physically the body and the blood. And we get to do it together. Isn't that amazing? That's just awesome. And so tonight, I titled a small message, small message, but I titled it, The Heavy Cost of the Cross. The Heavy Cost of the Cross. And what is that heavy cost? The heavy cost is Jesus the Son of God gave his life willingly for us. And that is why we celebrate tonight as good. I think it went out. There it goes back in again. And, you know, it's important for us to review this, to reflect on this. Because we live in a world today that we just thrive on pleasure. We thrive on pleasure. What satisfies? What's the next thing that's going to make me feel, I guess, important, identity, feel good? I mean, all these things are just flooded across us. And we want to have pleasures with minimal cost. With minimal cost. It's just... That's okay. I memorized everything. <laughs> so, back with that, just how, you know, we, we're flying through here in, in, in this culture where we want coupons, right? Who likes coupons? I like coupons. Discounts, uh, sales. Uh, who loves clearance? Uh, clearance. See, we, we, we like clearance. We, we, we like to get things at, at, at a fraction of the cost. When you go to the movies, you go to the matinee. Show, because it's cheaper, and then more people can be involved in this whole thing that we're going to watch together, right? We're looking for something cheaper, but we still want to experience to the fullness. And when we look at what happens here in Scripture, we don't realize the agony and the anguish that Jesus was partaking in a garden called Gethsemane. We look at the cross and we think, wow, look at all that blood. Look at all those scars. Look at the thorn. Look at the hands that are just piercing with, with, with nails and blood. And we're thinking, man, that's painful. And that is painful, right? I'll tell you, I don't want to go through that. If I go quick, right, I want to go quick. But it's just we look at that as only the only part that Jesus experienced any type of pain or any type of anguish in this whole time of the crucifixion. And so... I'd like for us to open up our Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, if you have them. If you have them on your phone, uh, that Bible app, it's fine too. 
please don't text anybody right now. Unless they're asking for directions. But open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verse 32 to 42. And, and, and for those that are, you know, traditionally you come to Good Friday service and you're expecting, you know, the, the speaker to kind of expound more on the way the Romans would just, you know, brutalize and torture people. Or, you know, how much blood really came out of Jesus and how many scars did he get and all that stuff. I mean, we're not going to go through that tonight. We're not going to go through that. What we're going to go through is the, the, the weight of what Jesus was experiencing and why he went to the cross. Amen? All right. Let's start reading together in verse 32. And I'm going to read all the way through to 42. What's happening now is Jesus, his disciples are, are leaving the supper, and he takes three with him, and this is where they're going. They came to a place named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here until I have prayed. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them and he fell to the ground and began to pray. And if it were possible, the hour might pass him by. Verse 36. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will. But what you will. And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Keep watching and pray that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words, and again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy. And they did not know what to answer him. And he came to third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking that your spirit allow our eyes to see and learn and hear what we just read. And as we continue to move forward, I pray that we may all have a picture in our mind of Jesus not yet bloodied, not yet scarred, but still in pain. In a very intimate place, the garden. And I'm asking, Holy Spirit, this is so hard to do. Please teach us all right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Gethsemane means olive press. And rightly so, because Jesus was about to get pressed. The Bible says that as soon as he gets there, he tells his disciples to wait. And then it says in verse 34 that he moves a little further on. And before he even gets to where he's going, he falls on his face and he starts to just beg the Lord, plead the Lord, take this from me. And there's a very important principle that I think we need to learn, all of us, in that you need to master the art of alone. In this walk with Christ, you have to master the art of alone. Where you and God can get alone by yourself, not your posse, your three amigos or your three chicas, you know, not them, but you alone and God. Because, yes, there's a time where you're together. He was with the 12, and then he kind of cuts that in half. He goes a little bit further. He goes with the three, and then he says, now it's just me and God. And if you look through the ministry of Jesus, you find that in all cases when he was about to do a miracle or something public, he slipped away. He was meeting with the Father. And this wasn't anything different because he was about to go public. He was about to go viral. Being put on the cross, we're still talking about that and celebrating that today. And in that most hour is where we see that in his prayer, we get a chance to even take a glimpse of what his prayer life was like in anguish with the Father. I mean, the Bible talks about how he was, in, in other Gospels, uh, the same uh, incident, that he was bleeding through his, the pores of his, of his uh, skin. That's how much uh, anguish that was going on, turmoil was going on within him. He didn't even get whooped yet. Nobody even hit him yet. Right? If I did that to my, my child, they'd be like, how'd you do that? You know, because I didn't even hit you and they're, they're already bleeding. But there was something happening there that was taking place that he was experiencing, that he was even asking that God the Father take this from me. Right? And what, 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 what is that? What was that? But before we get there, why, why all this emotion, the sorrow and, and the trouble? And the Bible says that, also, when we just read that, they were, that he was deeply grieved to the point of death, that he says that the disciples, Peter, James, and John, began to be very distressed and troubled. How many of you guys today are in a situation or you're in a point in your life where you're distressed? You're feeling a little troubled. It's, it's not as easy as it was yesterday. Your heart's not beating right for right now, physically, emotionally, right? But I'm here to tell you that you're at a you're right now, you're closer with God than you were before. Because the Bible says that he's near to the brokenhearted. Right? And so I'm asking you today, continue to stay in this. As we move along with this, Jesus recognizes that pain. He qualifies himself for every situation or what we're going through. He qualifies himself in that because in his man sense, he qualifies himself. And so he talks that he was also going through sorrow to the point of death. His disciples as well were feeling distress and trouble. We don't need that, remember? Not enough space in here. And here again, we see Jesus separating himself and putting himself in a prostrate position of this depending on God and him alone. And it's funny, I, I just heard a message too by, by Nancy Lee the Moss, Reviving Our Hearts. You ever heard about, ever heard her uh, series or her program it's really good but she says this that 
We should never get to a place where our public ministry supersedes our private ministry. I shouldn't be talking more to you than I'm talking to God. I shouldn't even be singing more to you if I'm not singing more to the Lord. You see what I'm saying? We're, it, it, there's a disconnect. There's something happening. There's an imbalance going on. That's what she says. And she even told her, her committee that if I ever get to that place, shut the whole ministry down. I'm no good to the ministry. I'm no good to it. I need to be with, intimately with the Lord. And I beg you, all of you, brothers and sisters, please continue to cultivate your intimacy with the Lord. Do not sacrifice that for anything. Again, I plead with you, do not sacrifice that for anything. Jesus now asking the Father, remove this cup, verse 36. What cup? What cup is he asking God the Father to remove from him? Was it the cross? Was it the nails? Was it the Roman whip? Was it the, the priests that were this, uh, calling him out names and, 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 and challenging him from the cross? Was it the crown of thorns? Was it the betrayal? Was it the fleeing of his best friends? What was that cup that he was talking about? That cup, brothers and sisters, was all the suffering involved in the sinless Son of God taking upon himself the sin of mankind, including, but not permanent, the separation from God. Have you ever been separated? Some of us may be divorced. Maybe children have been separated from family. Maybe you've been in time out. And you rather them take away the, the games, but don't, don't put me in time out. Not to put light on, on this example, but I have a dog. Many of you guys that have been to my house know what kind of dog I have. We'll keep that between us. But he doesn't mind if I scold him once in a while. He doesn't mind if I don't feed him, which I try to feed him, okay? Don't look at me like, why don't you feed your dog, Tony? He doesn't mind if he doesn't have water or if I don't take him out. But he gets crazy if he doesn't see me. If I'm in the other room, he tears the door apart because he gets such an anxiety of being separated from me. It, it's no lie. If you've been in the house, he's walking right behind me no matter where I'm at. Okay? He's always there. He constantly wants to see me. He constantly wants to know that I'm right there next to him. And when we're looking at the life of Christ and what he shown us within the gospels he was constantly with the father step by step imagine what he was about to go through being separated from the father even for a moment even for a moment and yet we move on and i'm going to continue to move quickly here yet not what i will he says Yet not what I will, but what you will. He willingly submitted to the Father's will over his own. Jesus' will was to avoid, but God's will was to go through. How many times have we questioned the will of God when we're saying, why am I going through all this pain and suffering? Why am I going through all this turmoil? Or you're on the opposite side. This is God's will because everything is great. Finances are great. God is good. Children are great. Marriage is great. Church is great. America is great. And it, everything's just flying high, right? Two extremes. But in Scripture and in, in my experience in the walk, there are times where there is sorrow at night. 
but joy comes in the morning. Amen? There is sorrow at night, but joy does come in the morning. And we can't dictate who God is by what's happening with us. We just can't. But I ask you this. If you've ever questioned, really, how well you're doing, ask yourself, what is God's will and what's your will? And you know when that is because once that happens, there's a clash that happens. And you in in yourself want to do something, but you know that it's not of God's will, and yet you still do it. And then what happens then? You start to go down a path of continual your will, not God's will. And you spiral into some kind of tornado or whatever it is, and you come back, and you're like, what happened? What happened to me? What happened in my life? What happened to my family? What happened to my marriage, right? What happened? And we start to slowly take steps away, choosing our will, not God's will. And a lot of times it's the easier will is our will, right? It's, we see that there's not a lot of resistance there, the path of less resistance. But the path of resistance seems to be the traction of God. Right? And so we see here that even Jesus himself totally submitted under his Father's will. And we are faced with those questions, too. What am I going to do today? Should I do that? Should I not do that? Let me continue to move forward because I think that we're getting in the way here. Verse 38. Keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I don't know about you, but I haven't really met a brother or a sister in the faith, that they have a very watchful mindset of their life and what God is doing. And they also have a very deep, intimate prayer life that are falling always into temptation. It's usually the opposite that I run into that give into temptation, therefore fall into guilt, shame, and everything else. Then they can't, they don't feel like they can pray and then they're not watchful anymore, and then they run into the cycle. And it's God, Jesus is giving his disciples just everything they need right now. He's saying, be watchful. I know you're tired. Many of us, I, when's the last time you paid for an hour? I, I haven't. I'll fall out. Read for an hour. Maybe that. But when you're really trying to pursue the Lord, for some reason, I feel super tired. My body's like, I don't want this. Let's go watch a movie. Let's go do something else. Let's go draw. Let's go write. Let's go. Let's do something. But let's not pray. Let's not read. Right? And it's this clash of will that's taking place. So I would have been them too. I would have been knocked out. He would have caught me three times there sleeping, because he says it very clearly that the spirit is willing, and I do. Paul says it too. The things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I want to do, I don't do. Or the things that I don't want to do, I do. Or the things that I want to do, I don't. Because he says that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Three times he did this. Three times he did this. And he came back to find not only the same answer from the Lord that he has to go through with this, but he found the people that he walked with for three years sleeping, not keeping watch, not praying. Jesus made a choice in the garden 
even though he was already on mission. Jesus made a choice in the garden, even though he was already on mission. I'm asking brothers and sisters here at the brook, and we are constantly uh, verbalizing that, communicating that about mission, mission, mission. And we need to stay on mission. But I'm asking you also to make a choice that in your own life, allow the Lord, submit to his will, not your own. And you will be on mission. But at the same time, cultivate, build intimacy with the Lord. Choose him over yourself. Be watchful and pray. Be watchful and pray. Let's stand. close with this and we will pray and I ask Eric to come up one of the greatest freedoms that I've experienced is the realization and the truth that I am not a good person I can't perform to be a good person nor can I build up enough works to say that I'm a good person reading the scriptures and understanding that God is just and he is a just, God, a just judge. Sin needed payment. Blood needed to be shed. A sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice was needed on my behalf and in our behalf. And none of us could have taken that. Jesus understood this. The Bible says that no one is without sin. The Bible says that we deserve God's wrath. But the Bible also says, but while we were yet still sinners, Jesus became the satisfaction for our sin. He was the sacrifice needed in our behalf. So when you look to the cross... Yes, it's gory, and yes, it's bloody, and yes, you see Jesus there hanging. But he made a choice on your behalf. A very needed choice. And I ask you tonight, too, what choice will you make? Father, we thank you this evening again as we continue to reflect on what took place over, over 2,000 years ago. And we see that in the garden, it's not a mistake that we get a chance to glimpse at what took place in the very heart of Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that he chose the cross. Thank you, Lord, that he submitted to your will. Thank you, Lord, because if he did not, we would not all be here. Thank you because of his choice and submitting to your will, Lord, that we can now be called children of God. Thank you because now that your wrath is appeased. Thank you because of the cross, Lord. We have a new life in you. 
And we do have hope, purpose, satisfaction. But I pray, Lord, may we always remember that and feel what he was experiencing, the agony that he was going through. Because it is a heavy cost for the cross. This time what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And um, what this is, it's an opportunity for us to respond. See, tonight is Good Friday. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that God made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf. That means Jesus took our sin upon himself on the cross. But in exchange, he's given us his perfection, his righteousness. And not that we become perfect people, because we look in the mirror, we know we're not. But God, when he sees us, he sees the perfection of Jesus. And that's a beautiful thing that took place at the cross of Christ. And so that we celebrate on Good Friday. There is the horror of Gethsemane. There's the horror of the betrayal. There's the horror of the cross. But there's the beautiful reality of the exchange that took place. And when we put our faith in Jesus, we can have eternal life. We can be forgiven. And so what the Lord's Supper is, is this. That Thursday night when Jesus was betrayed, he sat down with his disciples and he had a meal with them. He took bread and he took wine and he said, this is an illustration. He said, the bread here symbolizes my broken body on your behalf. And this wine symbolizes my shed blood on your behalf. He says, take and eat, take and drink in remembrance of me. And so what we are going to do today is we're going to remember Jesus by eating of the bread and drinking of this juice. And what we understand is when we do so by faith, that God will nourish our souls because we're recognizing his body was broken, his blood was shed on our behalf. See, God's wrath was satisfied. And Jesus knew that in Gethsemane. He knew that the Father would pour it out on him, as Tony mentioned. He knew it was going to happen, but he gladly went to it in all the, 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 the turmoil that went with that in order to redeem people like you and people like me. And that's the beauty of this weekend. And so we're going to soak in that, but we're now we're going to respond. And so if you're a child of God today, and that means if you've trusted in Jesus, if you've asked him